We are learning the book of Genesis, and uh, we're coming now and taking perhaps a little bit of a, a different course. We have left creation um, in and of itself, and we have uh, discussed the tree of knowledge and its sin and the consequences to all three parties that partook in that sin. And now we are going to start moving and understanding what happened to the rest of the generations after Adam and Eve, and uh, if you do have a Chumash, if you do have a Bible in front of you, we are now starting chapter 4 of Genesis, and we are going to be reading <clears throat> perhaps a very enigmatic story about Cain and Abel, and I'm going to take you through the verses um, and then go back and start understanding really what this story is coming to tell us, coming to teach us. You know, what, what happened over here? So we have the following. We're looking in verse one of chapter four. It reads as follows. The man knew his wife Eve, and she conceived, and she gave birth, Elkayin. She gave birth to a son called Kayin, and she said, why did she call him Kayin? Kaniti ish et Hashem. I have gained a man with God. Kaniti kone is to buy, is to gain. I have gained a man with God. Vatosef laledet. And again, she gave birth et achiv to his brother et havel, to Abel. Vayihi hevel ro et son. Hevel was a shepherd. Vekain haya oved adama. And Cain was a worker of the soil. Very, very simple. Not much being said over here other than that Adam and Chava had two children, Cain and Hevel. And you really can ask the question as to why um, the, the, the Torah is going into much detail in explaining, explaining the birth of um, Cain and Hevel, why are the, why is it going? It could have just said, and Cain, I mean, Adam and Chava gave birth to two sons. Their names were Cain and Hevel. But we get a tremendous amount. We learn a tremendous amount from this. Um, and I want to go back into the verses to, to actually understand. It says here, Veha Adam Yada is Chava. And Adam knew his wife. So this is obviously a metaphorical explanation that they were intimate and she fell pregnant. But, you know, with Torah, nothing is said by mistake. Nothing is said um, wrongly. And uh, many, many rabbis zoom in on the word new to teach us that um, New means to know somebody on a very, very intimate level. It's more intimate than physical intimacy. And this is really a comment on Jewish marriage, that marriage is about coming together as as one. And the coming together is not just a physical unity between man and woman, but rather it is a coming together of both the physical, the spiritual, the psychological, the emotional parts of, of, 
of, of two people. And that when Torah looks at physical intimacy, it's to be done within the framework, within the paradigm of knowing a person on a, on a very, very deep level. It is not just something that gives us physical pleasure and something that should be only seen as a physical act. It needs to be seen as something far greater than that. And that really elevates the concept of marriage to something holy. And thus, when we look at the paradigm in which Torah teaches marriage, we see that marriage is held in the highest esteem. In fact, we are taught um, that one of the one of the um, components of of marriage is the monthly cycle of the woman, and the the need, the instruction from the Torah that for at about two weeks of the month, starting with a woman's menstrual period for the first two weeks, man and woman separate physically, have no physical content, uh, co- uh, contact. And then after they go, um, the woman goes through um, the purification of the mikvah, then they are reintroduced back one to another. And there's much to be said about it and many, many concepts around it. But one of the interesting things is that if one finds oneself in a society, in a, in a, in a community where there is a shortage of funds and one has neither a school nor a shul nor a mikvah, what would be the first thing that one would build? Our Torah teaches us it has to be a mikvah because the foundation of marriage, the foundation of building a Jewish home is of vital importance. And if one does not have that in place, then there's no need for the community, for the, for the shul, there is no need for the school, there's no need for the education um, because the first primary thing um, in Judaism is the establishment of a Jewish home. And in that establishment, it comes with the concept of yada, of knowing that, that one is obligated to go out and know the one's partner, not just um, have a platonic relationship, a relationship based on convenience, a relationship based on selfishness, but certainly one that should allow one to, you know, to, to gain a very, very deep understanding and allow one to become one with the other, that we are two halves and we have to become one. So just in those four words, Veha Adam Yada Eschava Ishtoi, that man knew his wife Eve, um, it comes to teach us a tremendous amount. Vatahar Vateled, so she conceives and she gives birth. And then we have a very interesting thing. It says Vatahar Vateled et Kayin, she Conceives and she gives birth to Cain. To Cain. To Cain. Now, in Torah, um, and we've had this before. We've had this actually in the first verse of the book of Genesis, but it is a klal. It's a rule in Torah that whenever you see the word "et," which is a preposition, it's untranslated. Um, we do not read it. We do not. We can't explain it. When we read it, we say "v'tahar." And she conceived, vateled, and she gave birth. We should next say Cain, Cain, but it says vatahar vateled et Cain. <clears throat> English can't translate it, but our rabbis 
come to teach that whenever you see the word et, alif taf, it means that something in addition to what it is describing was also created. So in this case, et kain is coming to teach us that something extra was born with Cain. And our rabbis come to tell us that, in fact, he had a twin sister. Because think about it. Moving forward, if Adam had Eve, who did the brothers Cain and Abel actually marry? There were no other human beings on the planet at that point in time. Um, and, you know, we, once we finish the story, we are going to go and start seeing the generations, the, the, the history of the Jews moving further. So who was, how, how did Cain continue his lineage? He had a twin sister. So Vatahar, Vatelet et Cain comes to teach us that she conceived and she gave birth to Cain and a sister. If we are saying that, then we can go and have a look at the next verse, Vatosef. And in addition, Laledet et Achiv, she gave birth to his brother, Et Achiv. Look, there's an Et that we don't take into account. Et Hevel. So now we've got two prepositions here. And so our rabbis learn from here that in, in the case of Hevel, the second brother, two girls were in fact created. Two. So what we really had now is that, that Adam and Eve had five children. A brother and a sister, Cain and his sister, and then a brother and two sisters, Hevel and that and his two sisters, and it would be from those people when they got together that we would we would start fulfilling God's um, request of being fruitful and multiplying. You're listening to Rabbits and Adol Kazilski. Welcome back, and uh, we're not guessing too much either, and we're studying the book of Genesis, chapter 4, and we were just going through the first two verses, um, which actually gave us a tremendous insight, A, into the, the view of marriage from a Torah viewpoint, and understanding now who, in fact, was born to Adam and Eve. In fact, there were five kids and as always, we're now going to go into the story, and I'd love to hear your comments. You can join in on the conversation. Our SMS number is 34519, WhatsApp 061-895-1019. We now kind of don't know too much about um, Cain and Hevel, Cain and Abel. All we are told in the background, and I'm going to give you this background um, because it's not mentioned specifically in the literal verses. Oh, sorry, I apologize. It is mentioned in the literal verses. At the end of verse 2, it says, Vayihi Hevel ro'e tson, Hevel was a shepherd, Vekain haya oved adama, and Cain was a tiller of the soil. He was a worker of the soil. So not much about how they, 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 they grew up, not much anything other than when they grew up, Abel became the shepherd, Cain worked the soil. Verse 3 reads as follows, Vayihi miketz yamim, and it was at the end of days. Vayave Cain mipriha adama mincha lahashem. Cain brings fruit of the soil 
as an offering to God. And verse 4 reads, Vehevel hevi gam hu mibchorot tsoinoi umechel vehem. And Abel brings forth the first of his sheep and their fat. Vayisa Hashem et hevel veet minchato. And God pays heed, accepts Abel's offering. So let's go back and dissect these two verses because, again, it's said in such a concise, such a shortened form, one doesn't really really grasp what is happening. What does it mean by yamim? And it was at the end of days. When was the end of days? So there are many, many opinions um, as to when this end of days, d- days is. Some said that it was the 14th of Nisan. It was the day before what we celebrate today as Pesach, the 14th of Nisan, we are told, the Midrash tells us, that Adam said to his sons, there will come a time when in the future the Israelites will have to sacrifice on this day and it will be called the Korban Pesach. So each of you should also bring an offering to God on this day. So this is one of the explanations. Another, other rabbis say that the sacrifice was offered on Rosh Hashanah and Another opinion actually comes and says that it was on the 50th day after creation. So if we work out what is the 50th day after creation, if we follow the opinion that the world was created in Nisan, okay, then this means that they were bringing the sacrifice on Shavuot. If we take the opinion that the world was created in Tishrei, then this would have been on the 15th of Cheshvan. That's another opinion. And finally, some, the fourth opinion says that the hint of when it happened is from the word kates. Okay, by he, mi yamim, and it was at the end of days. Kates has a numerical value of, kuf is 100, tzaddik is 90, 190. So this took place 190 days after creation. Um, and if we go and say that the world was created in Tishrei, it comes out on the 10th of Nisan, which is Pesach. And if we take out that the world was created in Nisan, then it comes out on the 10th of Tishrei, which is Yom Kippur. Many opinions, um, all of them would have their place, an explanation as to why. But it seems from all explanations that this day that they brought the sacrifice was, in fact, a very, very important date. Now, what does Cain and Abel bring? Cain brings, it says here, um, from the fruits of the soil. And our rabbis teach us that Cain brought to God flaxseed. That was his sacrifice. Okay. And what did Abel bring? As we learned, he brings He brings for them for him the first of his sheep and of their fat. And I guess they bring it on an altar in front of God. And what happens is is that God sends down a fire and accepts Abel's offering, and Cain Cain does not does not get accepted. That made Cain very, very, very upset, okay? Um, and the rabbis ask why. So it says that God rewards everyone according to his deed. Um, and as a sign, he accepted Abel's sacrifice. Why? 
Because if you just look at the practicality of the verse, we could see that Abel offered the his very best sheep. Cain, on the other hand, was very stingy, and he brought the least valuable of all his produce, the flaxseed, and God did not accept it. Now, this is just a practical lesson for us when it comes to charity. One must give charity full-heartedly, okay? Um, we are taught that when one is asked to give, one needs to give wholeheartedly and to give the best that he can give. Many, many times you will hear people trying to collect money for charity and they ask and people get really, really frustrated and what they will do is just say, oh, yeah, you know, here's 18 bucks and leave me alone. When in fact they don't, they don't not, uh, they have the ability to give much more than 18 rand. They can give 18,000 rand. This is kind of like the sacrifice that Cain gave was 18 rand when in fact he could have given 1,800 rand, 18,000 rand. He could have given much more. Hevel came with a full heart and gave of his very, very best. I'm going to come back and dissect the story a little bit more on a deeper level soon. But let's just continue with the verses and understand the rest of the gist. Vel kain vel minchato lo Kain and his offering, God did not pay heed. He didn't, he didn't accept it. Vayichar lekain me'od. Kain got really upset. Vayiplu panav and his face fell. Okay, he became very frustrated, he became very angry. Vayomer Hashem el Kain, God said to Kain, Lama charalach? Why are you so furious? Velama naflu panecha, why is your face fallen? Halo im teitiv se'eit, ve'im lo teitiv lapetachatat rovete, ve'elecha teshukato ve'ata timshalbo. If you do good, Surely there would, there would be an, um, an elevation. There'll be an acceptance. If not, sin crouches at the opening. To you, it is in its desire, but you can dominate it. What God was basically saying to, 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 to Cain is, what are you having such an upset about? Like, you know, this is, was, this was your deed. This is what you did. Surely you shouldn't be angry. You're intelligent. You know that if you repent for your sin, you would be assured of no harm. Okay, but if you don't mend your ways and, and you give me something half-heartedly, surely you should know that there is a repercussion, there is a consequence to what you have done. There's no answer, there's no reply from Cain. But what we see in verse 8 is, Vayomer Cain el hevel achiv. Cain turns around to his brother Abel and he says, and the Torah doesn't say what he says. Says by Yomer Kainel Hevel Achiv, God, um, Kain says to Hevel, his brother. There's a, there's there's empty space because we're not told what it is that he says. Vayhi bihiotem basade, and it happened that they were in the field. Vayakem Kainel Hevel Achiv, vayahar gehu. Kain came grows up against his brother Abel, and he killed him. So here we have a verse that actually stops in the middle of the sentence. Cain says to Abel, his brother, we don't know what, okay? And then they happen to be in the field and Cain rises up against Abel, his brother, and he kills him. So we need more flesh to this discussion. And our rabbis tell us that there were actually perhaps four reasons 
as to why eventually Cain kills Hevel, and there were four disputes that they in fact had. The first was that they were in the field and they started arguing. And what was their argument? Four reasons. The first was that at the time of this argument, Adam didn't have any other sons. And they'd heard that their father, Adam, in a move of repentance, had separated from his wife Eve in order that he should have solitude so that he could repent properly for his his um, sin. And so Cain and Hevel assumed that this was a permanent situation, which it wasn't, and we'll discuss much later, and that Cain and Hevel, Cain and Abel, would be the only ones who would be inheriting from their fathers. And this gave rise to a dispute because Cain said, I am the firstborn. And according to Torah, firstborn receives a double portion. Okay. And Cain also wanted the place of the altar where they had brought the offerings to be in his portion. And if he had had this, he would have even been willing to divide up the rest evenly. But Abel did not wish to give up his place, did not wish to, to think, and they had, they had a whole argument, and that led to the anger that um, Cain displayed. Furthermore, the second reason, when they divided the world between them, Cain and Hevel made an agreement that neither would trespass on each other's properties, and each one would take only what was his. Now, since Cain was the farmer, he took all the land. Abel took all the movable goods. But when Abel tried to graze his sheep, Cain screamed at him and said, don't you dare use the land, it belongs to me. So Abel shouted it back at him, well, if that's how you feel, then don't wear any clothing because all movable goods belong to me. And this is how their argument um, became big and caused Cain to kill Hevel. The third reason for their dispute was apparently they each wanted their own area in which the holy temple would eventually be built. They both knew that what, who, where the place was because we, they saw Adam offer, offering a sacrifice there. And since that place was so holy, which was Mount Moriah, they each wanted to possess it. And they both also thought that they would live to see the temple being built. So they had an argument over that. Finally, and this reverts back to the first argument, okay, is that we learnt now that a twin sister was born together with Cain and two were born with Hevel, with Abel. Cain contended that he should have the second sister as a wife because he was the firstborn and he should get a double portion. Abel, on the other hand, argued it was his as it was his twin. They, they came out together. So they landed up in a huge, huge argument. Um, it was precipitated by the fact that God did not accept the uh, sacrifice of Cain. And before you knew it, Abel got, um, um, Cain got up and he, he slayed his brother. Vayakem Cain el Hevel. Cain rose up against Abel, his brother. Vayehargehu. And he killed him. Now, we are told that Cain didn't really know what it meant to kill another human being. There was, there was no killing. He didn't really understand. And in fact, it said that they, they began the argument. Before long, their tempers flared. 
they actually began to fight. And the truth was, was that Abel was stronger than Cain. And before long, Abel had overpowered him and pinned him down. And Cain began to plead, you're still my brother. And if you kill me, how will you answer to the, the Lord of the universe? There's no one else in the world. Whom, whom will you be able to blame it on? And he spoke himself out of the clutches of Abel. So Abel let, let him up. But as soon as Cain got up, he attacked Abel and he threw him to the ground. And he began to beat him with his fists and kick him, trying to kill him, not knowing how. And then he recalled, Cain recalled that his father, Adam, when he sacrificed, he sacrificed the animal by slitting his throat. And so he did that to his brother, Abel. Okay. Another one other opinion, by the way, holds that Cain killed Abel by biting him like a snake. But suddenly he had to deal with the corpse of his brother, and he did not know what to do with it. There are a few opinions. Some say he left Abel lying there in the field, because this was the first time he had ever seen a dead person. And then it says that he saw a group of kosher birds and wild animals fighting, and when one of them were killed, they dug in the ground and buried it. So he realized that's what he should do, so he went back and he buried Abel in the ground. Now, Interestingly, we have a, <clears throat> a mitzvah, we have a commandment in the Torah that when we slaughter an animal, and this will happen when kosher um, slaughtering is happening at the abattoirs, and uh, it's a mitzvah that a normal human being, a normal person can fulfill Erev Yom Kippur when we go and do kaporos, if we do um, the mitzvah of kaparot with a chicken, um, you can fill it then because you actually watch the chicken being shechted, being slaughtered. Once um, there is blood that comes out of the animal, we are actually obligated to take sand and throw it over the blood and make a blessing. Baruch Hashem blessed are you, God, King of the Universe, who sanctified us with his commandments, and commanded us regarding the covering of the blood. We are not allowed to leave blood around because that is part of the soul of the animal. And we are told that um, either this was from Cain burying Hevel, Bearing Abel. Some other rabbis hold the opinion that Adam and Eve discovered Abel's body and they did not know what to do with it. And they watched, they saw a raven burying its mate and they themselves went and covered it out. But from here we get the mitzvah of covering blood. And uh, just on that note, we know that when God forbid blood is spilt, um, say God forbid in an accident or in a terrorist attack, you will see that the members of Zaka come and are very, very careful in uplifting um, all blood, that no blood is left on the ground. And in fact, all the remnants of a person's blood is buried along with him. So Cain kills his brother. We're not told um, in the verses what happens, but we have the opinions of either Cain quickly went and buried um, Hevel, others say that Adam and Chava uh, buried Hevel. God says to Cain, Where is Hevel, your brother? 
לא ידעתי, how am I supposed to know, I don't know, and he says the famous words, השומר אחי אנוכי, am I my brother's keeper. That in itself has got a tremendous um, amount of explanation, and I want to stop here, backtrack, and really go and dissect this entire story, which really makes up seven, eight verses of this crazy um, argument of Cain and Hevel and try to understand what, does, what lesson does it, does it teach us. And then, please God, next week we will move forward um, from the time that Cain answers to um, God, am I my brother's keeper? Because that in and of itself is an entire discussion. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kozilski. Welcome back, and uh, we've just gone through the verses of the dispute between Cain and Hevel, Cain and Abel, and uh, the death of Abel. And while the Torah is, you know, discussing this on many, many levels, I think it's important for us to understand on a, a, a very deep level why it would be pertinent to us in the year 2018 to actually understand this story. And one of the ways that we do that is that we look into the mystical books, the books of Kabbalah, the books of Hasidut, that look much, much deeper and understand that Torah is not only a storyline, a, a, a historical account of what happened, but in fact, there is a hora'ah, there is an instruction, there is a teaching which comes from the word Torah, by the way. Torah in Hebrew comes from the Shosh of Hora'ah, of an instruction, a teaching to each and every one of us in our lives. Um, and we need to understand the story of Cain and Hevel, Cain and Abel, in order that we actually put this story into our lives and learn from it. So what really can, can this, un, this understanding be? So let's take some steps back and go back to the beginning where in verse 2 we have Vayihi Hevel Ro'etzon Vekayin Haya Oved Adama. In fact, I think we should even go earlier to understand Kayin and Hevel. What does Kayin mean? Kayin, as we were told in the Torah, means Kaniti Ish Et Hashem, that I acquired a man. Kaniti, Kayin, um, and on a deep level, means the things that we acquire in life. All the physical possessions that we spend 12 to 14 to 18 hours of our day working so very hard for. Our houses, our cars, our hotel, our, 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 uh, our, our, our hotels, our holidays away, our shoes, everything. We are a very, uh, we are a people that are very much connected to materiality and we spend a tremendous fortune of time and energy on acquiring things. That is the concept of Kayin, to acquire. Hevel, on the other, uh, other hand, um, comes from the, the, the Shoresh, from the root word of futility, that everything is futile, okay, and that in fact acquiring all of these things is a futile pursuit. Because at the end of the days, we don't take anything with us. When we are buried, we don't take our hotels and our shoes and our cars and our houses and our clothes with us. And so on a very deep level, um, 
we are taught and, and, and we learn that this whole story is our story. It's the story of the soul that comes, uh, comes into this world and we have one part of our of who we are called Kayan. We go out and we try to acquire things. And then there's another part of who we are, which is Hevel, that very deep part of our soul that recognizes that all of this acquisition is futility. And we argue, we argue within ourselves as we are taught in Tanya in um <clears throat> the Hasidic work by Reb Shneir Zaman of Liadi, the Alter Rebbe, that we have a Nefesh Elokis and a Nefesh Bahamis. We have a godly soul and we have an animal soul. And they are like two kings who are trying to conquer one country. Okay, we have two voices within us. One that says, go out and be Cain, go out and acquire. And another that says, go out and do something more purposeful because everything is futile. And just like Cain and Hevel argued we argue within ourselves. We have this tension. We have this disparity between ourselves. And it comes the end of days. It comes to the end of our lives. Okay. And we see now what did our nefesh elokit, what did our godly soul sacrifice, and what did the animal soul sacrifice? Well, Kaniti Kayin went and sacrificed the least of his stuff. He wasn't, he was a pretty selfish guy. He wasn't going to give too much, um, to God because he was very rooted in the physical world. Whereas Hevel, the one who understood futility, brought the choicest of his sheep, the choicest of the fat of the sheep and brought it to God. And what does God accept at the end? God accepts the sacrifice of Hevel because in truth, what does God want from us? What sacrifice does God want from us? He doesn't want our possessions. And at that, he doesn't want the nothingness of our possessions, the, the flaxseed of our possessions. He wants the very best of us. Hevel understood that. Hevel understood that he doesn't want to be involved in realty. He doesn't want to be involved in physicality. He wants to be involved in movable items and his movable items by him being a shepherd, allowed him to concentrate and contemplate godliness and be connected to godliness, whereas Cain was just about how much more can I gather in this world. And so at the end of days, what happens is, is that God measures the sacrifices made, and there is no question that he is going to measure the sacrifice taken from a an emotional, spiritual, um, deep soul manner, not from what we've acquired. It means nothing to God either that we have a house with four million rand, that we go on holiday and spend 300,000. It's irrelevant. God is looking for our soul, is looking for who we are intrinsically, and he wants us to sacrifice that. And so the story of Cain Vehevel comes to teach us this tension, this challenge that we have our, our whole lives. And at the end of the days, seemingly on a physical, um, physical plane, it always looks in the physical light that Cain kills Hevel. 
that physicality overcomes spirituality. You will look and you'll go, oh, look at this guy. Like he, he died a wealthy man. He had X, Y, Z and A, B, C. Like, you know, what did that other guy have? But the truth of the matter is, is that it actually is the opposite. Um, and what it comes to teach us is that we mustn't be an Oived Adama. We should not be a tiller of the soil. We should not go out there and just worry about how much things, how much materiality we can acquire. We need to be a Royet son. We need to be more spiritual. We need to be a shepherd. We need to look out for another person. We need to be there for another person and be there for God and make this world into a better place. And if we look back at this story of Kind Behevel, um, and it dates back 5,779 years back, it is a story of the struggle that humanity has had since day dot, of the weighing of the materiality side pulling us one way, and then again the spirituality pulling us another way. Um, and so this is a lesson that we can take forth now in our day-to-day -day lives in 2018 that what matters in this world is acts of goodness and kindness. What matters in this world is that we are Shomer Mitzvot, that we keep the Mitzvot of the Torah and that we acquire all that is needed to take us to the next world. It might seem that Physicality is, you know, the kingpin. It might seem that it actually slays us at the end. But in truth, Hevel, that all which is futile and that had that attitude, actually was far greater than Cain. And with that, I'm going to leave you on that thought. Think about it and try put it into your lives as to what are you doing on a day-to-day -day basis that's not about acquiring more physicality, but rather increasing and promoting the spiritual being that you were created. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.